And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting to Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, throughout the nine worlds and beyond, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of... Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 258. My name is Tom Harris and I'm coming at you as always from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. And another episode where we don't really have a whole lot to talk about here at the top of the show. Yeah, and uh, I guess slow news week or whatever um but you know there's, there's always a lot going on the big news as of today is that the next episode of star wars actually has a name yes episode number eight is called the last jedi at least that's what i'm told and i only know what i see on the news so and and that the fact that that's news is kind of frightening in and of itself <laughs> Anyway, so uh, we do have an issue of Thor to cover, so uh, we're going to get to it in, in just a moment. But, you know, it's always fun, and I know I've done it in the past, I haven't done it for a while, to look and see what came out the same month as this issue of Thor did. So, uh, once again, we're going to turn to Mike's Amazing World and have a look at what else is on the newsstand. We have... Um, the Amazing Adventures number eight, where we have the Inhumans and the Black Widow starring. This is the month that Amazing Spider-Man number 100 came out. And no less than 17 different Archie titles. And I, these are just the ones that have anything to do with Archie themselves. I'm not even counting Madhouse Glads. And um, there was another one, too. I'm not even counting those. Uh, so, you know, Archie had like 20 different things every single month out at this time of year oh that's crazy of course this was really kind of the height of archie so yeah anyway um we have uh batman number 235 out this week with a beautiful uh looks like jim apero cover here it's the daughter of the demon story so that's that's a real classic one right there i'm telling you uh we have conan the barbarian number nine from marvel back when barry windsor smith was still on it uh, we got uh, Daredevil number 80. Looks like he's fighting, uh, let's see, who does it look like? The Ominous Owl. Um, we have The Flash number 209 with another another story of uh, The Flash being on the cover being killed by, looks like the Trickster and Captain Boomerang, which, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Geronimo Jones number one from Charlton came out uh, this month. I... I'd never heard of him before, and I'm guessing that he didn't last very long. Um, yeah, you kind of wonder. I mean, Hot Stuff, the little devil, has two different issues out. Uh, Hot Stuff number 106 and Hot Stuff Sizzlers number 46. We got the Jetsons number 6 from Charlton. Uh, Call the Conqueror number 2 from Marvel. We have a JLA-JSA team-up here. Uh, this is the first JLA comic I remember mentioning. This is uh, reading as a kid. This is the uh, JLA-JSA team-up, Justice League number 92, um, you know, where they fight Solomon Grundy. And then we also have uh, the uh, first, we're right here in the beginning of Jack Kirby's work at DC. Mr. Miracle number 4 came out this month. And also 
Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 141, featuring Don Rickles. Uh, Superboy, number 177. I remember this book as well. I remember owning this book um, where the cover shows Superboy putting his parents in jail. And of course, I don't think that actually happened in the actual book. We have uh, The Three Stooges, number 52, from Gold Key. Underdog, number 8, from Charlton. Um, lots of Casper-related uh, books as well, but you know not as many as the Archie books because that was just going way over the top. Wonder Woman number 196 came out this month featuring uh, Diana Prince uh, in her super agent phase, so she wasn't actually uh, dressed as Wonder Woman for that period of time. World's Finest number 205 teams up Superman and the Teen Titans. Uh, meanwhile, Where Creatures Roam number 8 shows... The Mummy's Secret, which I believe is a um, a reprint. But yeah, that, that's just the way things worked back then. Uh, and of course, we have our issue, uh, which is Thor number 192. So let's get right into it, shall we? Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder. And this week, as promised, we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 192. Now, incidentally, you can find this issue reprinted in several places, most notably in Marvel Masterworks Thor Volume 10 and also in The Essential Thor Volume 4. And of course, I keep forgetting to mention when you can find things reprinted, but you can, you know, yeah, <laughs> I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, so we have the uh, cover here, which is by John Buscema and Frank Giacoya. Shows the mighty Thor being punched across the face by Duroc the Demolisher, as seen last issue. Though his uh, armor in this doesn't look as, as metallic and therefore as chafing as it did last time. Though his boots look like they're made of metal, and that looks, yeah, that looks rather uncomfortable. Um, anyway, uh, Thor is still 15 cents at this point. Cover date is September of 1971, which means this came out during the summer. And we have uh, the mighty Thor, and there shall come a day, the day of the Demolisher. And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Stan Lee was the writer. John Buscema drew it. Sam Granger was the inker. Letterer is Artie Simic. And costumes were by Four Bush's Funky Fashion Factory. And uh, I will point out that this is actually kind of a, a historic issue, or an historic issue if you're from the UK, because this is Stan Lee's last issue as writer. So, uh, yeah, so this is it for Stan Lee here on Thor. Uh, unless he does a fill-in at some point, uh, we go right from Stan Lee this issue into Jerry Conway next issue. Title of the story is Conflagration. And we get a little bit of a, a summary here of what has gone on before. The evil Loki is now in possession of the majestic, all-powerful Odin Ring. Hence it's Loki who is king of Asgard, and he who rules the Golden Realm rules all. By the power of magic, Loki has created the monstrous Durok the Demolisher, sending him to Earth to crush mankind. For the crafty prince of evil knew that Thor would be soon to follow. And the splash shows Loki and Carnilla kind of simpering behind him. And we have uh, cowering in the background, Balder looking not like uh, he's supposed to. 
And we also have Sif, whose face looks really weird. So I'm not sure what's going on here, but it looks like their faces have been redrawn. The Thunder God hath gone to Earth to stop the dreaded Durok, says Balder. But Durok is death incarnate, says Sif. Not even mighty Thor can fell him, if my beloved should be slain. Thor shall be slain, my lady Sif. Such is the power of Durok, and such is the will of thy sovereign, Loki. And Carnilla says, At last thou shalt realize thy lifelong dream, my liege. At last the mighty Thor is doomed. Fly, my brother, fly to thine ultimate death upon the dismal planet Earth. And they're watching Thor fly to Earth through uh, Loki's cosmic voyeuroscope. We just have people just kind of hanging around, not doing a lot. The Warriors 3 are standing in the background here. And Hogan says, Comrades, we must act. But Loki wears the Odin ring, says Volstagg. And Sif is crying next to a pillar here. And Baldur's trying to comfort her. Weep not, my lady. Thy tears cannot prevail. My love is doomed, and none can save him. And Odin sleeps, whilst evil rules and madness mocks us all. But still we live. And still we hope. Hogan, no longer stand we idly by. Tis the ring that is his power. But if it should fall from Loki's finger, says Fandral, by Asgard's gates, we'll make it fall, says Hogan. And Carnoa all of a sudden warns uh, uh, Loki that the warriors three are getting ready to attack. Prince of evil, look behind thee. The Norn queen seeks to warn him, says Fandral, because everyone has to speak the obvious in the Stanley script. Hogan, hurl thy massive mace. Now let the tyrant fall, says Hogan. But see, he lifts his hand in mystic gesture, says Volstagg. And the mace goes bouncing off Loki's finger. At least that's how it looks like here. Um, so it, I, I think what they're getting at here is that the, the ring is glowing and it turns the mace aside. But it actually looks in the panel like the mace just bounced off his finger which would cause a nasty finger jam if that were the case. But anyway. Not can strike the Odin ring. The blow hath failed. The despot stands. Now shalt thou pay. Do what thou wilt. Hogan doth not fear thy wrath. And Fandral cries, death before dishonor. And death it shall be, says Loki. No, says a voice. And, you know, as though he doesn't recognize the voice, he says... Who dares? I so dare, I the Lady Sif. If Hogan falls, then thou shalt have to slay us all. Then who shall be thy subjects? Thou art wise as well as fair, my lady. Loki shall humor thee, for I have plans for the strong-willed Lady Sif. To my side, Carnilla, let us see what doth befall the earthbound god of thunder. And the deadly Durok too, my lord, says Carnilla. And we uh, cut to Earth, and a giant festival looks like it's a Mardi Gras. And so we have uh, some fat guy in a throne, and a bunch of people dressed as clowns and pirates. And yeah, so it's Mardi Gras, basically. Uh, we, uh, not notably people showing their tits, but that's what they do at Mardi Gras. And anyway, so we are at Mardi Gras, and we see all these crazy characters around. And then we see Durok the Demolisher appearing in an alleyway. And just kind of standing there glowing. 
and then he starts lumbering towards the crowd and people are, are surrounding around him and they're saying, wow, that's the best costume yet. Hey, how'd you ever manage to pad your muscles like that? What an act. He's playing it to the hilt. He won't even talk. Get him onto one of the floats. He'll be the sensation of the parade. I never saw such a far-out build. And Duroc gets uh, angry, starts lashing out, throwing people around. Hey, look out! What's he doing? And he's pulling down the, um, like, a street sign. This says Fifth Street on it. Um, and the people are starting to run away now. Run, run! He's as strong as an ox, and he he's mad! That lamppost, the car, look what he's doing. Yeah, he's got a car in one hand and the lamppost in the other. And even the clowns are scared. And he's hitting buildings with a bacow and knocking the walls down. And then Thor flies into the scene and he says, My hammer hath led me to my goal with not a second to spare. One blast from Mjolnir shall give him pause. And Thor blasts him with an energy blast from Mjolnir with a Zask. And it gets his attention. So Durok rolls around. And, of course, now Thor's speaking the obvious here. He stands. He turns. He hath felt no pain. But if my mighty mallet cannot fell him, Durok smashes uh, Thor with a piece of, of concrete, which, uh, very amusingly, the sound effect is rock. So, yeah, I just found that amusing. Monster, thy speed belies thy massive size, says Thor. So I guess the rock didn't bother him that much. And thy strength doth rival that of Thor. And Durok smashes Thor with a zock, sends him flying into the crowd, knocks a bunch of people over, including more clowns. I'm beginning to think that uh, John B. Summer doesn't like clowns very much, but you know, I'm not going to blame him for that. Mayhap my words were spoke too fast. His strength exceeds mine own, says Thor. And this is one of the few times when you see Thor's helmet almost falling off. Uh, so uh, we, got, we got Thor's helmet kind of cockeyed on his head. But the valiant fight when the fight seems lost, and so shall the god of thunder. Let mighty Mjolnir swing his swing, till the wind doth shriek and the storm doth roar. Let the mists of day join the shroud of night, till the humans vanish in the limbo of space. For in battle's heat, no innocence must come to harm. Now, that's one way to do it, I guess. So he's, he's whipped the hammer around. He sucked all the people on the street into his Ajax White Tornado. Wouldn't it be better, easier, if he were just to suck him and Duroc into some other place where you know they couldn't smash down all the buildings? Anyway, uh, yeah, I guess Stan didn't think of that. Now we are alone. Now let the battle rage. So yeah, so now they can smash all the buildings. Uh, he hurls Mjolnir into Durok with a big batoom and knocks Durok down. And Thor says, What wonderment now greets mine eyes? Though Mjolnir has struck with total force, it did no more than trip thee. Is there no limit to thy strength? And Durok doesn't say anything, but he smashes the ground with a throck and sends Thor flying, does that whole uh, like hitting the ground shockwave thing. He doth answer me with action, says Thor. And Thor is kind of falling into the street, and um, he's struggling to get up, and he says, Truly thou art Loki's masterpiece of evil, but thou art strong, so Thor is strong. And now shall come the proving. And Durak goes to smash Thor's face with his stubby little foot, and Thor just grabs onto his foot with a thwop, 
and sends him on a, like a judo throw into a wall with a zrak. And the two of them continue to scrap. And the, the caption says, And so the battle rages, minute after minute, blow after blow. God of Thunder versus Solus Demolisher. And the end is not in sight. And we shift back to Asgard, where Loki again, he has to speak the obvious. The fight continues, and the Thunder God still lives. But though he be the son of Odin, still he is but flesh and blood. Fall he must, and fall he shall. But I will wait no longer. The scene on earth doth bore me now. And so by the power of the Odin ring, the ring which is Loki's to command, I shall change the setting to suit my pleasure. And he twists the ring on his finger. Like a big glow comes out. Big energy bolt comes out of Asgard heading towards Earth. And Durok just vanishes. And he's holding a car up. looks like he's going to smash Thor with it. The car goes crashing to the earth, and Thor's confused. He says, Before mine eyes, the demolisher hath vanished, because it's a Stanley script. What new wizardry is this? What strange new evil doth such a feat portend? And a glowing face of Loki appears above the city, and Loki's voice is, uh, Accursed, brother, tis the wizardry of Loki! And the evil that now lies in wait, not even thou canst guess. Then do thine utmost, villain, says Thor. The god of thunder shall not falter. And, yeah, there's a really wonky bit of coloring here that I'll talk about a little bit later. But know you, Durok's quest hath failed. He could not prove Thor's master. Uh, the Loki glowing face in the sky says, Brother, thou art truly blind. I did but send him from thee, the better to prolong the game. Now, whilst we speak, Durok doth strike elsewhere. Then I must fly to battle him anew. But first there be a task to do, and only Thor can do it. And he starts whipping the hammer around, and all the clowns and the people dressed as pirates and stuff start falling back to Earth. And he says, Let all return from whence they were, with memories erased. Which is going to be really confusing uh, when they notice that the, like, the whole city is wrecked around them. But anyway, <laughs> tis done. Now leave I must. But hold, there is no way. And all the people in the crowd are pushing up against him. Uh, therefore, he can't swing his hammer around. So so Thor, to make more room, decides he's going to push the building. <laughs> oh, Stan, this is ridiculous. So Thor pushes the building a few feet aside. <laughs> and everyone's like, look, look, it can't be. He's moving the building. And so he, he moves the building like a whole lot. Like, it's, it's just shoving it all, like, and there's no foundation or anything for it to sit on, so it's just, it's just like it's a building block, push, pushing it along the ground, and, uh, yeah, and it's a row house, which makes it even worse, which means that, you know, the, the, it should be tearing off little bits of the other buildings, too, but, you know, Thor is just that good. If there be no room for mighty Thor, the Thunder God shall make room, and he, and he has made room. Now stand ye back, for I must fly. A mission doth await me. And uh, he whips the hammer around, and he takes off, and he's saying, uh, Mjolder's magic shall lead me true to where waits the deadly Duroc. And we shift scenes to a small South American nation where Duroc is wrecking up the place, and their soldiers have come after him. But they're not having a whole lot of um, you know, luck here fighting Duroc. They're sending tanks after him, and the tanks look 
they're, they're obviously Kirby tech. So I guess in some way we've getting some kind of continuation of, of, of the Kirby style at least. And that doesn't seem to be doing any good. Duroc smashes the, um, uh, the tank with ease. And we have some soldier types like uh, Generalissimo uh, South American uniform type people. This is really an offensive stereotype <laughs> to get the guy. He's, he's got the fancy uniform and he's got this really like uh, 19th century melodrama type villain mustache. It's curled up on both ends. Um, and he's talking and says, he's not the man. He is a living engine of destruction. He must be captured and forced to serve me. With someone like that under my control, I can rule forever. Um, and it, it's, it matches the Frito Bandito mustache. That's all I can say. Uh, and he's looking at Duroc through uh, like binoculars. The peasants would never dare rebel against my tyranny. Don't just stand there. Overpower him. And some guy is lighting his cigarette because, you know, he's the general. And he's like, but how, Presidente? Oh, that's your problem. I just give the orders. But wait, who was that descending from the sky? And turns out to be Thor, of course. And he's flying down. He says, Durak already doth wreak havoc below. Tis my duty sworn to safeguard all who dwell on earth. Thus Durak ne'er must leave the sight of Thor. And you can see that the, the people in this, this stereotypical South American village, they're not having any luck. And these people are dressed in sort of very stereotypical Mexican clothes. like Not, not big sombreros exactly, but they have those like the straw cowboy hats. And yeah, it, it is very stereotypical. It's useless. Artillery will not stop him. We must flee before he turns on us. Run, run, take to the hills. But see, the monster turns to the castle. Not even El Presidente is safe. So the president lives in the castle, apparently. <laughs> Duroc smashes the uh, the building. And the, the president is the guy, the guy with the curly mustache is falling down. Uh, looks like to his death, perhaps. But he says, enough, enough. I abdicate. The peasants can have their freedom. So Duroc is the savior of whatever little country this is. <laughs> and Thor's not even there. Uh, Thor comes down and uh, Durak's picking up a truck, getting ready to throw it. And Thor says, he doth destroy anything, everything. He strikes without reason or cause. And Loki is watching on the cosmic voyeur scope and we see him in Asgard and Sif is there too. Again they prepare to battle. Again I shall watch as I sit in regal safety. Sooner or later Durak must prevail. Then Sif shall find another more worthy of her love. Nay, Loki, never, says Sif. Never is too long, my lady. But fear not, fair Sif. When Thor hath fallen, Loki shall attend thee. Then will my triumph be truly complete. So Loki's being kind of a creeper here. And uh, we, we shift over to uh, Balder and Carnilla, who are watching all this on the Cosmic Voyeuroscope as well. And Carnival says, Why dost thou frown, noble Balder? Thou art not to blame for the Thunder God's plight, and verily thou art powerless to aid him. Not so, Carnilla. If thou wouldst help me reach the earth, Balder hath a plan. But remember thy pledge. Thou cannot take arms against Loki. 
Balder shall not break his word. If thou lovest me, carnal, I'll use thy spell in my behalf. Once upon the earth I swear to lift no sword, to strike no blow. And we see Carnival's thinking about it, and then she says, Then Carnilla shall aid thee, for thou hast aroused my queenly curiosity. Uh, and Loki notices the two of them uh, whispering over the corner, and he says, Why whisper ye in furtive tones? None may hold secrets in the presence of Loki. And he's approaching the two of them, and the Warriors Three ain't having that, and Fandral picks up this giant flaming flower pot. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> the evil one doth threaten Balder. But there be not we can do, says Volstagg. I say thee nay, rotund one. The time hath come for action. And he takes the fiery flower pot and he throws it out the door, hits one of the storm giants out in the hallway as one of the guards here. Outside yon chamber, a storm giant doth guard Loki, and he shall serve to cause diversion. And uh, so Fandral throws the flaming thing at him, and it, it hits him, and it gets him all mad. So now the storm giant is coming into the room and tearing down the wall in the process. Faster, ogre! Dashing Fandral fears thee not. And he comes in, and Fandral takes his sword, whacks him on the, uh, the leg really hard with a spatang. Now howl, buffoon, for Loki's ears must hear thee. And he goes... Oh, crush ye like a flea! And he goes, thoom, smashes the floor, is busting the place up. Have a care, this flea can sting, says Fandral, and he goes leaping out of the way. Ah, the dashing Fandral doth provide new sport for me, says Loki. And uh, Baldur's whispering to Carnilla, Now, my queen, the time is now. Then to earth shall Baldur go, and Carnilla too shall follow. And the two of them go teleporting out in a giant purple glow. And as soon as they vanish, uh, basically Loki doesn't even notice because he's standing in front of them and watching the fight. Thou art skillful as ever, Fandral. Now slay the giant. He doth deserve it. Nay, Prince of Evil, he hath served his purpose. He shall live, says Fandral. Uh, though we don't really get to see what happens right away because we shift to Earth and we have uh, Carnilla and Balder arriving on Earth right in the middle of traffic. Because if you're going to land in the middle of the city, yeah, middle of traffic, that's the place. There's a like a big moving truck and it comes screeching to a halt. We got a, a traffic cop. and Anyway, so they're on Earth. And because it's a Stanley script, Balder has to speak the obvious. Thy spell hath done its work, Carnilla. Now stand we here on earth. Hey, where'd they come from? Says the truck driver. And, and the cop uh, turns around. Okay, wise guy. What's the idea slamming to a stop like that? Didn't you see them? Them two in costume. They popped up in right up front of me, right out of nowhere. Come here. I want to smell your breath. But they're getting away. Balder and Carnilla just go wandering off into an alleyway. And Balder whips his sword out, and uh, he says, Stand thee back, Carnilla. But thou art pledged to lift no blade in combat. And I do keep the pledge, says Balder, and he whips his sword around. And it's, um, I guess, a magical sword, because he's sending a signal, some sort of a flare or something up. And it's just like this big, like, beam up into the sky, and there's like a big firework or something. 
I seek no combat. I seek no foe. I only seek to use my steel to send a signal, a signal far into the sky, for there is but one who may help Thor before he is felled by Durok. And we shift back to Thor and Durok fighting, apparently still in South America. Um, so don't know what, exactly what's going on. And uh, Durok is, seems to be getting the better of Thor here. He's smashing him. He's laying on the ground. And Thor says, He doth not truly live. Thus he cannot truly die. Yet nothing short of death will stop him. In truth, tis an enigma locked within a hopeless riddle. Yet rise I must. For Durok seeks to crush me, and Durok has got a big section of wall that he's about ready to drop on top of Thor. Let mighty Mjolnir swing again, and... But hold! A storm hath risen! Not of my doing! It blinds mine eyes! I cannot see! We see the, the, the vision is being obscured, there's a big storm going on. Durok cries in helpless rage, then he is blinded too! And the storm is starting to end here, and he says... The storm doth slacken, mine eyes do see again. But where Durok stood, he hath faded away before my sight. There be mystic forces here at play. Thor is not alone. And uh, there's a, a taunting, mocking laughter, which Thor hears. And Thor whips around and says, I know that laugh. Tis Loki with my lady Sif. But ye both be here in image form. And it's, yeah, basically a projection. Naturally, you hapless dolt. The Lord of Asgard hath no need to venture forth in person. And he sees, uh, Thor sees that, that Loki is holding Sif around her wrist. And he says, You dare touch my true beloved. Unhand her brother, and nothing thou canst do will. Be thou silent, witless clod. Tis I who wear the ring. Now mark my words, and mark them well. Durok hath been transported once again to where the United Nations building stands. Nay, with his awesome power, if he should strike in such a place. And strike he will, I warrant thee. It will be the start of the ultimate destruction of all mankind. And since thou art sworn to aid mankind, thou hast no choice but to pursue him and fight him to the death. And whilst thou fight and whilst thou fall, I leave thee with this final thought. The Lady Sif shall be my queen. And again, we get a really shocked look on Thor's face, and we see Sif, her image, she's crying. Now get thee to thy sniveling humans, and whilst thou fight for them in vain, the one ye love shall be my bride. So Thor doth lose, no matter what. And instead of immediately you know, launching himself off to go fight uh, Durak in New York City, Thor decides he's going to sit here and, and feel sorry for himself. Oh, base villain, and all the yawning cosmos, none may match thy consummate evil. Loki is gone, and with him my heart, my very life. Aye, well he knows that Thor must stay and battle Durak to the end. But how to fight, and how prevail? when my world is shattered round me. And we shift to Balder and Carnilla. And interestingly enough, they have shifted location to the top of Mount Everest. Why there? Not really sure, but we're going to find out in about six panels. So uh, Carnilla says, Why come we to this lonely place? Because tis the highest one of all, and I must signal once again. Still thou hast not told me, 
Who is it Balder seeks? The only one who hath the power to aid the mighty Thor, says Balder. But Odin still doth sleep. Tis not Odin of whom I speak. I seek another, not of Asgard, and not of Earth. There be no such. Thou hast led me on a futile quest, says Carnival. She doesn't look too happy. Not so, my lady. Behold the sky. He comes. My signal hath been seen. His speed! It can only be! The Silver Surfer! And we see the Silver Surfer swooping down on a surfboard. Next issue! This power unleashed. And that is Thor number 192. And we're going to be talking all about this in just a moment after we hear a message from one of our friends. Two hundred and twenty-nine different characters spanning the galaxies of the Legion of Superheroes, presented across seven comic book issues. A new miniseries as part of the Who's Who podcast. To handle this many characters, the Irredeemable Shag is bringing in a ringer, or maybe we should call them flight ringers. Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes? Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes? Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes? The Legion of Superheroes. In the Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of Superbloggers team up to present Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes, a three-episode miniseries in 2017, part of the Who's Who podcast on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Long live the Legion. And we're back, and of course we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. This is Stan's last issue on the book, and if uh, it was going to continue in this vein, I'm don't think I'm that sorry to see him go. But it is the end of an era, and I think it deserves to be marked. You know, Stan Lee has written some really amazing stories on Thor, and it's too bad that him leaving on, on such a steaming pile of shit as we've seen over the last three or four issues, it's it's really sad. It's really unfortunate. Now, uh, yeah, we're, we're shifting eras. We're going into a new era where we have Jerry Conway taking over the scripting. Stan Lee, of course, still be the editor, at least for a while. But, yeah, the story, yeah, it's kind of poor. And I'll have to say, it, it's very cliche. It is a very by-the-numbers... It, it is really kind of of the quality of the caliber that one would expect from one of the later Journey into Mystery issues. I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. It's just that it just seems as though we've kind of seen this before. Things are happening in the story for no discernible reason. All of a sudden, Loki is after Sif, wants him to be the queen. You know, he's never really shown any interest in Sif before. If anything, he's shown, you know, pretty much utter contempt. Um, you know, you can, you can look at it a couple of different ways. Either the storytelling is inconsistent, the characterization is inconsistent, or maybe he's just really trying to rub Thor the wrong way, which I guess you could, you could argue that that's his intention, but it's, it's trying to up the stakes and it's doing so in a not, not terribly convincing manner. Um, Again, uh, you know, somebody mentioned, I think it was Chris Bendorf mentioned uh, over on the Facebook page, why would he create a new villain, Durak, 
when they've got a perfectly good destroyer that they could have used. It would have been the exact same thing. Silent, strong, superly powerful, bigly powerful, you could say. Um, and uh, then, you know, they just use this Duroc guy who, you know, as I understand it, he does eventually come back, which is even worse. But uh, the other thing I notice is that uh, in the artwork, very inconsistent, we have Duroc. He actually looks different in this issue than he did last issue. One of the major differences is that he lost his claws. Um, they made a big point of showing his hands in the last issue, and he's got these big pointy talons on all of his fingers. Not in the issue, he doesn't. He just has regular old fingernails like everybody else. Artwork is very inconsistent, I will say, and it's not good. It's not good, John Buscema. Um, obviously, you've got uh, somebody different. Now, you've got somebody, Sam Granger on the inks. It's not somebody that we really see a lot. Um, so it doesn't look like uh, Buscema was doing detailed artwork. We see some really wonky faces here and there. Um, and it's, it's really inconsistent from page to page. There are some pages where everyone looks great. And then there are some pages that are really, really basic. This Mardi Gras stuff, other than the figure of Thor in all of the panels, everything else is super, super sketchy. There are virtually no backgrounds. Um, and it, it just, it's not good. The, the artwork is just really mediocre at best. At worst, it's just kind of confusing. It, I, I hate to say it, I keep saying it, it looks like Sal. It doesn't look like John. So I don't know if, if Sal is drawing this stuff and, and just John is signing his name to it, but it really doesn't look like John Buscema's style for a lot of it. Some of the poses, such as uh, Durag hitting the wall with a Zrak, and this would have been on page nine, um, it, it, I swear this is a Sal Buscema drawing and not a John Buscema drawing. It's not really even really in, in John's style. And, and the pictures of Loki are very consistent as well. Now, a lot of times in this, Loki looks like uh, a John Buscema drawing. Not on page 9, uh, not on page 10. You know, it, it just seems like there's a lot of inconsistency, and, and I don't want to keep you know, rubbing that into the ground. Uh, Thor pushing the building out of the way to make room to whip his hammer around. This is one of the most ridiculous things I think I've seen in, a, in the whole series. I mean, buildings just don't work that way. <laughs> Usually you have a foundation and the building is attached to it. And he's sliding the building out of the way. There's no basement, no nothing, nothing under there. there there's no uh, cellar. You know, he just takes the building, shoves it aside, and it's just a vacant lot, patch of dirt. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's, it's lame anyway. I mean, Thor is pretty strong. He can push his way out. You know, he doesn't even need to hurt people. You know, he's actually doing more damage by pushing the house out of the way than he would be if he were just to leap over the crowd to, to a slightly uh, wider location. Or for that matter, just leap to the top of the building. I think Thor could probably do that. Um, yeah, it, it just strikes me as just being very, very silly. Uh, this whole South, South American nation thing where we have these horrible racist stereotypes who really are only in the story for, for two pages and probably never appear again. They're 
kind of just there for no reason. We do get a nice uh, shot of Thor's face here uh, on the on this page, it's page thirteen. But um, the rest of the artwork, like I said, is is fairly poor, very sketchy. Again, a lot of it looks like Sal's work and not John's. So I don't know if Sal's getting paid for you know doing John's work or not. Um, but it is very, very simplistic from what we're used to seeing from Busema. And I don't think you can blame that all on, on Granger's inks. I, I, think the, I think a lot of this is we've got some ghosting going on here. So th that's, that's my opinion. And of course, if anybody has a different opinion, they should feel free to email the show. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. And you can uh, come talk to us about anything over on the Facebook page because, yeah, Lord knows, we, we need stuff to talk about over there. All right, so that is about it for this issue. Sorry that uh, Stan's not going out on a little bit of a stronger note here, but we have kind of a weak story with weak artwork and weak plotting. And uh, so I, I I don't want to say that we can't go anywhere but, but up from here. But... Um, we do start a new era, and because we have the end of the story to cover, we do have at least a couple of issues of the Jerry Conway era before we go off and do something else. But, uh, yeah, so that's it for this week. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.